you look? I don't even know like how to describe how you look right now. <laughs> Garbage. Like you're a mom that works night shift, but also has to like do shit with her kids on the weekend. That's what you look like. <laughs> That's kind of a good description of my weekend, to be honest. Welcome to Hysterical History, where we sit down, talk about our favorite stories, and of course, laugh. Your hosts are Whitley Trussler and Emily Gummery. All right, let's get this show started. All right, well, this mom is tired. Let's get down to business. To defeat the Huns. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. I think mine's going to be pretty quick. Cool. Um, and I, I don't even, well, okay. So because we <laughs> did not record the last two weeks, I, I saw this story somewhere like three weeks ago and it's been <laughs> sitting on open on a tab of my computer since then. So I, I don't even remember how I found it, but um, it is another Ohio story. And Ooh. I just, I love finding these stories that just make us look really stupid. Um, it's really great. Ohio specifically or just Americans? Well, they're kind of both the same, right? I'm talking about Ohio, but. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So I'm going to talk about a war that happened in Ohio between Ohio and Michigan. Is it over Toledo? It is over Toledo. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. See, I did not know about this. Did you know about this? I didn't know there was a war, but I figured if there was one, it would have to be over Toledo. Yeah, well, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, Okay. And I... I should have done more research into this, but I'm like, oh, is this like the origin of why Michigan and Ohio hate each other so much? Probably. Or is it just our our villain origin story? (laughs) So the Toledo War was in 1787. Just a reminder that I am tired, so it may take me a minute to form words that I'm actively reading. (laughs) Please don't unfollow us. (laughs) This episode is presented by slow motion. Um, So basically Congress drafted the Northwest Ordinance, which kind of laid out what the land would look like um, in the Northwest Territory. And it stipulated that 260,000 square miles of the territory around the Great Lakes would eventually be carved into a handful of new states. So It wasn't super specific it was just like hey this is land set aside it will be new states in the future but this is like the future plan for it gotcha so the law had this wording that said the border between ohio and michigan was supposed to run on an east to west line drawn through the southerly bend or extreme of lake michigan until it intersected with lake erie so first off, it doesn't actually say that the line needs to be straight. So, the, you know, maybe there was like a, a problem with the wording here, but, you know, it happened. Um, but the problem was that the best maps available depicted Lake Michigan's southern tip as being several miles north of its actual location. So it creates this discrepancy placing the mouth of the Maumee River in the future city of Toledo in northern Ohio rather than in southern Michigan, where it was actually supposed to be. So, okay. 
of course, now Ohio says this is our land, and then people are like, oh no, these maps were wrong, and Ohio's like, well, no take backsies, is basically <laughs> the, the uh, too long didn't read version of this war. Um, well, we're very good about taking things and being like, no take backsies. Yeah, we did it with a certain indigenous groups of people um, throughout the United States. Oh. But that's for another time. <laughs> so the map issue just went unresolved for a while because these states were still not technically states. Um, but then Ohio was admitted to the union, quote unquote, admitted, because we know from our last episode that Ohio actually wasn't truly ratified until the 1950s. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, for this sake, they, we all are living in this weird period where Ohio thinks it's a state where it's actually not, but everybody thinks it's a state, so it's fine. So in the state constitution, there is wordage around, this is really petty, they put words in the constitution that said Ohio owns the land around the Maumee River, no matter what the future surveys might show. So they're basically like, well, they were wrong, no take backsies, like we're putting this in our constitution of the state that that is our land we are petty as hell yes and also like is that even valid for the state that's claiming the territory to put it in their constitution like who cares i yeah i don't know if, they, if michigan wanted to start a war tomorrow i don't think they would care about our constitution for just the state of ohio no i i highly doubt that um <laughs> But, you know, we did it anyways. You're like, okay, you know, we're just going to throw it in there. Great. We're idiots. Okay. Um, so a few years later, after Ohio was admitted into the union, Michigan officially becomes like a form territory, not a state yet, but it's like an official territory. Okay. And they challenged Ohio and they were like, y'all, this is messed up. The correct map shows that that region is ours. Mm-hmm. So this controversy just keeps growing and nobody's like really actually confronting each other. They're just like back and forth, like being really catty about it. Like you do when you, like if they would have had internet. Yeah. And they're just like keyboard warriors. Precisely. Nothing has changed. <laughs> so in the 1810s, a pair of land surveys came to conflicting conclusions about the actual location of the border. Shocking because I mean, both states say the border is one way or the other and they're not the same and so it creates this slice of land this 468 square miles called the toledo strip and it was officially for a time claimed by both the state of ohio and the michigan territory so they're both like okay well it's ours and the other one's like well it's also ours um there's no joint custody um but you know we're just ignoring the, the other one is also staking a claim over it could you imagine what it was like to live in toledo at that time it had to be wild <laughs> you're like oh what state am i actually in uh am, what I, state am I in today <laughs> so i don't know there's like reasons on both sides that are like you can kind of get where michigan's like okay well it was wrong like that's rightfully ours and ohio is like okay but like you gave us this land and now you're taking it back. So it's, I don't know. I, I get why there's a conflict over it. Right. Um, 
So by 1825, the Erie Canal is completed and it links the Great Lakes to the East Coast, and this presents valuable opportunities for trade. So hello capitalism, this makes us even more of a controversy. Um, the growing village of Toledo was thought it was they thought it was going to become a commercial hub because it was the largest port on Lake Erie's western side. Mm -hmm. So now it's this big potential area of con. Um, commerce. So now they're like, okay, wait a minute. Now we actually need to settle this because this has like some real implications now. Right. So both sides start to attempt to tighten their grip on the Toledo Strip. So Michigan starts settling in the region and start constructing roads, holding elections, and collecting taxes. And Ohio, on the other hand, is like down in Washington lobbying for support for the federal government to support Ohio's claim over it. So very different, like two types of people. Yeah. <laughs> so in the early 1830s, Buckeye congressmen, they helped block a Michigan petition for statehood over this territory um, because they were trying to force Michigan had surrendered the Toledo Strip. So they were like, okay, well, we're going to hold up this whole statehood process until you give us the Toledo Strip. So yes, very different approaches. It's like one approach is we're just going to move on to it and just start acting like a government. And Ohio is like, okay, well, we're going to like play politics to figure this out. I feel like, like that's the difference one. between you and I. Yes. <laughs> that's actually very accurate. <laughs> Like, I would be the one to move in and, like, just start doing shit. You would be, like, I'm going to try to be politically correct about this. I'd be, like, begging for <laughs> approval. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so now the federal government's evolved. They're trying to defuse the conflict. <laughs> and then Michigan's just, like, enacting laws, and they create this Pains and Penalties Act. Um, Why did I not write down what the Pains and Penalty Act is? It seems very. It doesn't matter. Um, so in April 1835, a Michigan led posse, um, along with a sheriff from Michigan, they ride on into Toledo. It's starting to sound like the Wild West, and they arrest several Buckeye state officials who are in the area. And. Okay. Newspapers later report that they tore down an Ohio flag that Ohio decided to put up in the territory and they dragged it through the streets and burned it. <laughs> oh my God. Well, shit and hasn't then, changed, has it? No. <laughs> and then later, like a few days after this, a Michigan militia leader named General Joseph Brown led 60 Wolverine partisans. So like their militia is called the Wolverines. Mm -hmm. um, on a mission to intercept the Ohio border survey team. So like Ohio sending another survey team and they're like, nope, not happening. We're sent, we're, we're forming an, a militia. We're like, we're getting it down to business now. And then on April 26th, an event happens that comes known to be the Battle of Phillips Corners where the Michigan militia confronts the surveyors and they fire warning shots over their heads and arrest nine members of the party. So nobody actually like got killed or anything. So it's, it's kind of dramatic to call it the Battle of Phillips Corners. Um, but you know, there's already a lot of dramatic flair going on here. So we're not surprised. Yeah, I was gonna say this just fits in with what's going on currently, like in this story. Yes. And there's actually only one casualty in what was known as the Toledo War, which was that 
sheriff from Michigan, Sheriff Wood, who led the militia. Um, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. not that I want anyone to die, but like, that's very good that it was only one person instead of like how many it could have been. Right, right. Um, so the Ohio governor at the time decides, you know, they're going to get back into the politics. They announced their intention to hold a court session in Toledo to establish Ohio's rights to the area. And in response, Michigan's governor gathered 1,200 Wolverine militiamen and marched on the Toledo Strip. So again, like one side's just going to go in and take it. The other side's going to like try to do it like politically. Yeah. And this militia is prepared to use violent force because they want to prevent this session from taking place. But they had been duped. They arrive and there is nobody from Ohio there because the Ohioans held a secret midnight court and then flood the area. <laughs> flood it like with water? No, fled. They left. Oh, fled. I thought you said yeah. they flood the yeah. area. And I was like, um, what? So yeah, that's still accurate for me and you. Yes. This governor from Michigan at the time, like he's not, he's really not wanting to let up. He keeps putting more military in the area. This guy's only 23. So he's like super young, um, the governor of Michigan. And that's why he's not doing it politically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the president gets involved and he's like, okay. They call him the boy governor. He's like, boy governor, you're not governor anymore. Removed. Andrew Jackson, <laughs> I'm done. And Michigan actually like immediately voted the boy governor, Governor Mason back in like later, like when the next election happened. But, but mm -hmm. by then, like it had been settled and they put in another guy in the governor post for Michigan who was like just like rolled over and let Ohio basically have Toledo Strip. So Michigan was pissed. Um, so yeah, Jackson and the federal government eventually had to step in before like it actually caused bloodshed and like a real war. Um, and they settled the dispute once and for all um, until Michigan finally like accepted a congressional compromise that relinquished their claim on the Toledo Strip in exchange for them being admitted as the 26th state. Mm. So they held that over their heads. They're like, we're not granting you statehood until you let go of Toledo. Damn. Yeah. So they did. Um, and once that was signed, Ohio officially takes control of Toledo. It's settled. Um, but they did compensate Michigan with 9,000 square miles of land on the Upper Peninsula between Lake Michigan and Lake Superior. So they kind of traded 9,000 square miles for the 498 that they had for in Toledo. So it's like, they actually got a lot more land out of the deal, but well, like that was like, not a big port of commerce. So that's like the difference. Where would the upper, like where would the UP have been originally? That I don't know. Um, but do you know what I'm talking? It's like the weird part that like- Oh, I know what the UP over. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it probably shouldn't be part of Michigan. Well, that's why it's part of Michigan. <laughs> Well, because I always thought that it was like something that we stole from Canada. So now that you're telling me that they like gave it to Michigan, I'm wondering where it would have had, like where it would have been had this not happened. Yeah. Probably Wisconsin. Maybe. Hmm. Intriguing. 
Well, guys, Whitley left us again. Oh, nope, there she is. She's back. Yeah, sorry, we're not gonna have a long monologue like last time the dog just needed to go out. She was whining. <laughs> um, you don't wanna hear me monologue again? No, I think we're okay. <laughs> um, but initially, like, even though it was a lot of land that they gained in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan was still upset because it's like, they were like, this is like barren wasteland. It just snows all the time. There's nothing there. Right. But that opinion shifted again later, capitalism, because they found valuable deposits of copper and iron. So then oh, well. it became profitable. So now they're like, oh, look, this is great. We got yeah, this. Yeah, and we have Toledo. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that's, it's actually, I'll end it on this, which is hilarious. The precise location of the state's land boundary still remained the subject of debate until 1915, when the new government like finally did a full survey and they finally like put it to rest. Oh my so like Michigan relinquished or relinquished um, Toledo in 1836 and it was still being debated till 1915. Oh my land. We just don't let shit go. No. And uh, Michigan and Ohio's governors actually in 1965 celebrated the like anniversary of the resolution by shaking hands across the border at a peninsula in Lake Erie. So I've never heard something more fucking Ohioan and Michigander than that right there. Yeah. And then they put a plaque up right there where that says good fences make good neighbors says the two states that probably hate each other the most yeah well now i get it i didn't know about this toledo war but i get it now except now the like hatred is just transferred to like football and sports and nobody has any idea about this whole fight i know toledo except for probably to people in toledo yeah so if anybody's interested in knowing why michigan and ohio hate each other it's because for like literally a century they were arguing over this little strip of land that is now toledo and all, those of us today who live in Ohio are probably like over Toledo. But <laughs> then, you know. Yeah. If Toledo they probably was like commerce hub. Mm-hmm. Wow, crazy. But yeah, that's my that's my story. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. What a light. Well, I'm going to tell a story that in the grand scheme of things happened pretty recently um, in terms of the last like 20-ish years, 20, 30, 40 years, 50. <laughs> I always forget how, how many years gone. We need to know. I don't know because I don't know how far away 2022 is from fucking anything else now. Like, like, I don't know what year it is. I feel like 1980 was just like yesterday and it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to tell you the story about FBI agent Robert Hansen. Have you ever heard of Robert Hansen before? I'm not, no, but I will now. Okay. okay. So we're going to start just like a tidbit of information. Robert Hansen, uh, January 1976, Robert Hansen is sworn into the FBI by taking an oath to enforce the law and protect the nation. Okay. The oath he took, super important to this story. So in February, February 18th, 2001, 
Hansen is arrested and charged with espionage. Okay, wait. So this is very recent, like in the yes. 2000s, like it's still. Okay. Yes. Charges stated that he used the alias Ro- uh, Ramon Garcia to spy for Russia and the former Soviet Union during the Cold War. He provided highly classified national security info for more than $1.4 million in cash, bank funds, and diamonds. So this is the part where it's like, I'm sure you wonder how we got here. And then we rewind and we're going to start. So in 1985, Hansen held key counterintelligence positions. By utilizing encrypted communications, quote, dead drops, and other methods, he was able to provide info to the KGB and the SBR, which was like the parent organization of the KGB. Uh, This information compromised human sources, so like actual spies on the ground, counterintelligence techniques, so how those spies were spying, investigations currently ongoing, dozens of classified U.S. government documents that may or may not have been even remotely close to the the Cold War, he just gave it to them, and technical operations of extraordinary, extraordinary importance and value. So he basically was like, here's the whole farm. Just take it. Are you okay? I, I picked up my phone because I was going to like take a picture and zoom in on <laughs> Teddy on the couch behind you because he was looking real cute. Oh, and then, oh, now he's moving. Damn it. Yeah. I, I thought long. it'd be a nice, funny TikTok. I'd find some funny music to put over it or something. Oh, he might get that. I'm going to be a viral TikToker with those kind of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you're slow acting, it's fine. Well, I plug, I like picked my phone up and like music started playing on my laptop. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I so I got very like confused and just Oh, see, the look on your face, I got concerned that my volume like my microphone stopped working and you couldn't hear me. That's why I was like, what are you okay? Like just wanted to make sure. Now, again, apologies to everybody for the quiet mom. I got so shocked by Spotify that I interrupted this whole thing. <laughs> I to take a video of a Dalmatian in the background. Anyways, let's move on. I'm, I'm so sure sorry. he'll come back. Okay. So. so Hansen went undetected for years because he had such good training. Obviously, the FBI trained him. And some of his behaviors aroused suspicion, but never was he identified as a spy until later. So 1990s, so we jump like five years, CIA veteran Aldrich Ames was arrested for espionage, and this caused the FBI and CIA to realize they had a mole in the counterintelligence, or I'm sorry, in the intelligence community, period. The agency's investigation initially focused on another CIA veteran for two years. So for two years, they li- they literally invested investigated this poor guy who wasn't even involved. <laughs> so, and it took them two years to find out that it was a false lead and he was not involved. 
Wait, was so, this the guy the story is about? He was FBI trained or CIA trained? FBI. FBI. Okay, I wanted to make yeah. sure. Yeah. So in the in the nineties, a CIA guy was um, arrested for espionage, and from my understanding, what they found with him could not have covered everything that that was going out of the intelligence communities. So they knew that there had to be someone else. Okay, so this is like. There's one mole in the CIA unrelated to this mole in the FBI. Right. And they gotcha. know there's another mole, but they don't know where it is. Right. And so their first thought is, oh, it's this other CIA guy. But for two years, they investigated him. And then literally there was nothing. They're like, oh, my bad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Got it. Level set. Great. <laughs> so in the 2000s, the FBI and CIA secured original Russian documents that seemed to point to Hansen specifically as being the spy. So they're like, shoot, we just spent two years investigating this guy in the CIA and that's this damn FBI guy. Yeah, I'm wondering like what stopped the investigation, the fact that it was like not finding anything or these documents. I think it was not finding anything because that that was in the 90s and then in the two it took them to the 2000s to figure out like to get their hands on actual Russian documents. I see. Okay. You yeah. know, I just don't have a lot of faith in the efficiency of our government. So I you know I mean I don't disagree. Either way, I was like could have gone either way. Anyways, well, and a lot of this I will be like honest, a lot of this came from the FBI website itself cuz I was like <laughs> I well, to be fair, like I felt like it was more reliable than if I looked it up on Wikipedia because this Wikipedia can be edited by anyone. You know what I mean? This at least can't be edited by anyone, but the government. So like, if you're like us and have limited, um, like trust in the government, then maybe this isn't the story for you. <laughs> but, um, so the investigation that followed confirmed the suspicions, uh, and Hansen was getting ready to retire so they had to basically like move up the investigation so they could get enough uh, proof for them to be able to act and like arrest him. And so they also wanted to catch him red handed, like in the act of giving away these intelligence secrets. So Hansen was serving as a detailee to the Office of Foreign Missions at the State Department and the um, FBI leadership removed him from this position and brought him back to FBI headquarters basically so it was easier to like keep him under rat like under tabs and also so he had less access to important information so um and this is shown by special agent Don Sullivan who was like hey guys like I'll I'll be the guy to like to to get shit done and so he volunteers to replace Hansen and so just like, you know, with any job that you're about to quit or transfer from, um, they send Sullivan to Hansen's office so that way he can shadow him and learn the new role. What Sullivan was actually there to do um, was to learn as much about Hansen's IT setup and um, to make notes of like who he met and talked to during the time that he, they were there together. So Hansen has full access 
to the FBI's automated case support ACS system and the State Department's computer system. So you basically, like very, uh, what? You seem like very uh, important resources. I couldn't think of a word. Yes. And also like, I mean, in reality, having access to both of those, you could probably just like run the world or at least the world over here in the States. So because of this access, Sullivan noticed that Hansen spent a lot of time trolling ACS for info, like literally just like scouring for information, which I feel like is really ballsy to do in front of someone that you don't know you can trust. So in order to get Hansen back and to not arouse suspicion, the assistant director of the National Security Division, which obviously to him would be like, oh, like more info, informed Hansen that there's this like assignment. Obviously, the assignment is bogus, but Hansen does not know that. There's this bogus assignment, and he has been selected, Hansen has been selected to serve on the assistant director's staff as a special assistant for a technology project. Obviously this mf -er is gonna be like, yeah, that's fine, sign me up because now I'm gonna get more money from my Russian counterparts. Right. So January, 2001, Hansen moves to a small office in FBI headquarters that he is unaware that has been set up for surveillance, surveillance cameras and microphones. Now I know that you're at the FBI, but like, if I'm doing shady shit, I'm checking every single place for surveillance information or like trackers. I don't know if I would like <clears throat> me. Yeah. that just seems like overly confident. And why would you just like willy-nilly conduct that business like without taking precautions yes and you so and this is after you just was you were searching through information in front of some random ass person that you don't know they could have turned you in which he did but i mean come on oh the 2000s what a time so now we're in february 2001 so he's been there for like a month ish um, 300, Whitley, 300 personnel were working the investigation and monitoring Hansen. So he was being tracked when he left his home in Fairfax County to the time he returned home at night. So 300 people were tracking him 24 seven. Seems like overkill, but okay. Well, because they really wanted to catch him red handed. So yeah. I think the point was like, at any point he could stop off and drop something, like do a, a dead drop or whatever, or, you know, like how they do in the movies where they like put something in a folded up newspaper and like slide it across the table and just like anything could happen. So they had to have a lot of people, but still, yes, 300. Probably just like based on him not checking if his office was like being surveilled, just probably like walking around handing people USB drives. <laughs> <laughs> no obvious Russian person so luckily for them they did not have all of these people um going to waste because they 
um, were able to confirm that he was an active spy and um, was in the process of collecting data to give to the Russians and the Soviet Union. The team learned that a dead drop was set for February 18th, 2001. An FBI arrest team moved into position at Foxstone Park, a location where Hansen had been spotted before by FBI surveillance. Hansen parks on a residential street, walks down a wooded path to a footbridge with his classified materials in a little plastic bag. In a USB drive, I don't know. <laughs> leaves his materials in the plastic bag at this footbridge and just walks away. He's on his way back to his car and bam, the arrest team rushes him and places him in custody. Hansen pled guilty to 15 counts of espionage, one five, 15 counts of espionage on July 6, 2001. So one, before I tell you what happens, tell me how this man is arrested in February and already like basically goes to trial and stuff in July when we have people sitting for years waiting to go to trial. But I digress. Of national security. Yeah, well, that's still fucked up. So I, I agree. I'm just, I hate this place. I hate it here. So, like I said, this is July 6, 2001. May 10, 2002, he is sentenced to life in prison without parole. And that is where. Robert Hansen sits today and that's his story. I, Isn't that fucking wild? Like he was good at espionage. I don't understand how he Well, was. I mean, if you think about it though, he was because he swore in in 76 and then this all happened during the cold war. So, um, where did it start? Let me see. That's fair. Yeah, I guess. So like, I think, oh yeah, night, so it's basically, it started like in 1980s, 1984, five-ish area time frame. So from 1985 until 2001, well, I would say around 2000, because that's when they started like looking at him. Yeah. So 85 to 2000, he was just like living his life, passing out secrets. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Maybe, maybe the real issue is he just got lax as he was getting older well, and the only reason he got caught was because that cia guy got caught and they right. started looking more into it god yeah okay that's a good point okay i'm sorry i rescind what i said he was a wonderful <laughs> spy well i'm not saying he's like the best spy i'm just saying like i don't think he's as shitty as you're making it out to be <laughs> that's true i mean for me i just heard like the you know he was selling these secrets to Russia for this big chunk of years. And I'm like, okay, yeah, good for him. And then, I don't know, we only heard the like really terrible, like he had all the stuff in a plastic bag and set under a bridge and walked away. And that was like, but yeah, 
I mean, that probably was sloppy because he probably was like, I've done this a million times. Probably. Well, yeah, exactly. That's what I meant by like him getting lax, but yeah. Fun. But yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. These were good stories today. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for my next week one that we are supposed to record today, but somebody Let's decided they were, gonna, they were going to go have fun. I know. How dare I have fun? I mean, I can't believe I went to a wedding this weekend. How it is unusual for you. <laughs> Just kidding. It, you're not wrong. Staying out until like 1 a.m. is unusual for you. Oh, I know. I go to bed. Going to a wedding is not unusual. It's the staying out that I'm like, hmm, that's new. Well, I was the designated driver, so I took everybody to the after party. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. And had a really terrible old-fashioned um, at the after party. That's terrible. Um, yeah. It's okay, though. Like, the DD can't get one decent drink at the bar. Come on. Yeah, you're asking for one thing, and that's it. I know one thing that's got like four ingredients in it. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But anyways, yeah, I'm going to be talking about, I think Hitler's teeth next time. So that's going to be fun. Oh, I'm going to be talking about a duel between two people that you don't think would ever have dueled. Is it uh, Aaron Burr and Hamilton? No. Good. You know like them. You you know both of these people separately, but like Are you go to when, college with them. Yes. Um, <laughs> but when I read this story, I was like, "This is like maybe I have a terrible concept of time." I think we just established that with my dates, but like I did not think that these two people were alive at the same time. So <laughs> I, like, I enjoy stories like that. So I can't wait to tell you this story. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here. Next week is going to be, it's going to be, be slapping. Oh. All right. Let's log off. I need to go. That's to it. Sleep. The end. Bye. Bye. <laughs>